Entry 3463. Day 241. Ship clock at 1301 hours. Roderick gone at 1222. Paulson at 1245. It's just me now. Just me. Captain Rebecca Padilla. Roderick and Paulson both died of their injuries sustained in the last encounter with the Greys on day 239. As I have stated previously, I believe that they were altered on a cellular level. Specifically, I believe they may have been hit with a weaponized cancer of some sort that caused their cells to metastasize rapidly and horrifically. Don't know what did it. They didn't have any weapons that we could see. The little fuckers were holding their hands out at us as we were firing on them. Smug little blank faces. I hate their faces. I count everyone shredded as another dead Nazi. The new FNs work real good. And the soft ammo lodges in the inner hall, just like they said, no damage to the ship. Light piece, light ammo, feels good. Haven't had a single jam, and I love them. Third encounter now, and I've learned they work. Some of the heads down there said they wouldn't, but they do. Those little fuckers pop like beanbags full of graphite. Did I ever tell you that? It's so fine, like a vapor or mist. But it's also like dust. I think it's dust. I knifed one, and that felt fucking glorious. Channed my K-bar into its stupid little soft head a couple of times before it could even get its hands up to try to hippie signal at me. Some of the heads down there said they think they've evolved past violence and war and shit like that. And maybe that's true. I say fuck em. I'm glad they don't understand us. They're old sheep, we're young wolves. We got seven of them in this last encounter. More than the time before because we didn't wait for him to start talking. We just started shredding. Not that they fucking talk, but you know what I mean. Don't know if there were more left in their ship. It just sat there as we chugged away. Paddled away. We're fucking paddling through the abyss out here. And they just zip around us however the fuck they want. There's no getting away, and they just get in somehow. As soon as we get them on radar, they fucking appear right here inside the ship. No sense even looking out for them, I guess. I'm alone now. I can't even say that I'm afraid. Not after Saturn. You motherfuckers are lucky I'll never get to see you again, I'll tell you that. I'd kill every one of you over that bullshit. Although, if the footage made it back, I guess y'all have had to pay already, in a way. Those that watched it. But yeah, alone now. Estimated another 44 days to all you go, Pluto. Planet X. You fucking assholes. Mga putang ina kayo. Entry 3464. Day 242. Ship clock at 006 hours. <sighs> Can't sleep. Keep thinking about Roderick and Paulson. They were both bloated and bleeding from their mouths. The goddamned eyeballs had cancer. Why didn't it get me? Will it? Would the emergency nano shot help? I have extra now. 
We never got a chance to use them on Kirkland, Stepanak, or Fraser. Then again, they didn't do jack shit to help Roderick or Polson, who both shot up right after we got rid of those last greys. Entry 3465A242 Ship clock at 0623 hours Up and at him, Captain Finally got some sleep Dreamed about being in the sun again The heat of it on my skin The smell of the grass Entry 3466 Day 242. Ship clock at 1604 hours. Been in the gym all day. Watched about 20 episodes of Quantum Leap. Best, worst show ever. Just really awful, actually, but like... <sighs> I'm holding a memorial service for Roderick and Paulson this evening. I've prepared the remains for jettison. Got a nice bottle to open. Might even put on a dress. Yes, I fucking brought one. For now, sweating to the oldies. And by that, I mean Quantum Leap. Entry 3467. Day 242. Ship clock at 2119 hours. Master Sergeant James Tillman Roderick and Staff Sergeant Gerald Cleve Paulson have been shot into fucking space. I'm assuming our relatives all think we're dead already anyway. I mean, this is the blackest of operations, and we knew it was a one-way ticket. But fuck! They're out there somewhere now. Popsicles forever out there. It ain't right. We shouldn't be out here. I puked in the galley. (laughs) Fuck you! Entry 3468. Day 243. Ship clock at 0534 hours. Up and at him, Captain. Feel like shit. Gonna get something to eat and rack out for a few more hours. Entry 3469. Day 243. Ship clock at 1100 hours. Nothing to say. Entry 3470, day 251, ship clock at 1523 hours. Been a while since my last confession. Lonely. Fucking lonely. <laughs> Mga putang ina. Mga putang ina kayo. Entry 3471, day 252, ship clock at 0450 hours. Just woke up with those little fuckers standing around me while I slept. It makes my skin crawl. They were just standing around with their hands up, palms out, as always. I felt so naked. Like they could see every shitty, dumb, disgusting thing I ever thought. I could feel that they felt not sorry, but sorrow. For me. I tried to snatch my FN out from under the rack, but I couldn't move. Their faces, their dumb, little, fucking smug faces, 
flat mouth, no expression, huge shiny eyes peering at your ugliest secrets like you're wearing them on a t-shirt. And they just stood there with their hands out and stared at me for what felt like an hour. And then I fell asleep. When I woke up, they were gone. I took one of the nano shots. Not sure if the little bastards were roasting me with breast cancer or, or something. I feel okay, I guess. I don't know what to do. I can't keep them out. And I can't stay up forever. Now I'm wishing that we had that robot with us that some of the heads had talked about building. Fucking Terminator guard dog. That would be nice. If I could get back home, I'd kill every one of your fucking keyboard monkeys. Every one of you. Entry 3472. Day 259. Ship clock at 1612 hours. Finally started getting some decent sleep. Although, I've burned through most of them lathen and supply at this point. Been sleeping with my FN in my bunk. And Roderick's, too. Even with the heavy doses of melatonin, I dream about them. Their faces staring. Their huge eyes drinking in all my secrets, violating my most inner thoughts, turning them inside out, exposing them to the light. My shames and desires scurrying like cockroaches. Entry 3473. Day 263. Ship clock at 0504 hours. Up and at them, Captain. Dreamed about the Greys again. They're all I ever dream about. Them and that blue ball of ice that's getting closer and closer. It's big now, like a frozen moon out there. It looks cold. It looks like the dead blue white of a blind cat's eye. In my dreams, the Greys are in the ship standing at the display screen with me, pointing at the planet and staring at me with their blank little faces. I scream at them. I want to know what they did to Roderick and Paulson, and Fraser and Stepanek and Kirkland. I want to know why. I want to know what they want. But they just stare into me. I think they hate me just as much as I hate them. I think they're disgusted by me. <laughs> Good. Entry 3474. Day 263. Ship clock at 1128 hours. They hate me. I know it. I can see it in the cold shine of their huge dark eyes. Peering at me. Always. They'll fear me too. The little fuckers. I'll show them something. Entry 3475, day 269, ship clock at 0731 hours. Confirmed sighting of a Type 1A UAV. It kept pace with the ship for approximately 12 minutes. I couldn't see them. There are no windows on those stupid-looking things, but I know they were in there, watching me. They disappeared after that. Blasted off at a million goddamn miles an hour like it's nothing. What do they want? What are we even... <clears throat> Fuck it. Entry 3476. 
Day 273. Ship clock at 0546 hours. I dreamed I finally made it there. Pluto. The ship landed hard, and I crawled out. There was a city made of ice, with streets and staircases, and doors and buildings so big. Insane. Huge. The tops of the frozen towers reached up into the sky and into the darkness beyond it. Impossibly tall. Lightning arced out of the blackness beyond at almost regular intervals, connecting with the tops of the immense buildings and crackling outwards and down like spiderwebs of frozen blue light. The flashes lit up the whole city, and seeing how big the whole place was terrified me. I felt like the city was not only going to swallow me up, but that it would swallow up this planet of ice too. And then, who knows? The greys weren't there, but I could feel them watching me somehow. They wanted to see me curl up and die on that gigantic frozen street, alone. They wanted to see me scream and piss myself at the immensity of the place. The vast emptiness. I did scream. I screamed red fucking murder. And I grew to be huge. As big as the city of ice. Bigger. My perspective changed. I was looking down at the planet now. And I could see that the city covered half of the planet like some kind of huge crystalline growth that exploded from one side of the planet and outwards towards space. It looked like it was threatening to unbalance the whole planet, throwing it off its axis and out into space, not tethered by the sun. I woke up after that image of the planet as a whole, looking grossly out of proportion because of the impossibly huge city sprouting from one side. What if it's really down there? It's not theirs, not the greys. It was way, way too big. Who then? Who? Entry 3477. Day 279. Ship clock at 0316 hours. I haven't been able to sleep. It's been a few days, really. Three? I'm not sure. It's so bright out there. The light gets in. Even when I have the monitors and the viewing room turned off, the light comes in through the hall. <laughs> Frozen blue light. And it's cold in here. The cold is getting through somehow. <laughs> Computer says it's 75 degrees, but it's freezing. It's, it's fucking freezing. The bottle of water I keep in my rack is frozen solid. I've checked my vitals and uploaded the biometrics. You'll see that I'm healthy, hydrated, and well on the way to hypothermia. I guess I'd rather freeze than boil with fucking cancer like the rest. Entry 3478. Day 280. Ship clock at 0721 hours. The light and the cold stopped coming through. I got some sleep, feeling a lot better now. They think they'll get me like this? Mind games and soft torture tactics? <laughs> I got into the program through Guantanamo, you dumb fuckers. 
they haven't seen nothing yet. Staring and glaring, but they still don't see. <laughs> I'll show them something. Entry 3479. Day 283. Ship clock at 0232 hours. I haven't dreamt about them in days. I haven't dreamt about anything in days. I showed them not to fuck with me. <laughs> they want to see ugly. They think I'm ugly. <laughs> I cut symbols of power into my arms and chest. I used my blood as war paint. I twisted my hair into dreadlocks with my own spit and blood. I stopped wearing my uniform. Or anything. Just a naked savage that rode a fucking rocket too far into the black sky. I made a spear from a piece of railing, and I blessed it in the name of the earth. And I long to use it. Entry 3480, day 284. Ship clock at 1009 hours. I woke up with a song in my head, and it was an old song of war from some ancestral memory called up in dream. I sang the song all morning, walking the ship and banging the spear on the hull. They will come. They will come. They're cowards. The planet is so close now. Can't be more than two days from landing protocol. I haven't turned on any monitors or the viewing room in days. I don't want to give that light a chance to get back in. I'm not sure what I'll do when I land. I want to strap on the suit, take my spear, and charge out in that frozen chunk of shit and see what I can kill before I die. But you assholes? You assholes would get the data off that. And I don't think you deserve it. Part of me wants to just bleed out here in the ship and fuck your whole mission up. Good men died for this. Good men died for this, mga putang ina kayo! Mga gago! Entry 3481, day 284, ship clock at 0202 hours. <laughs> they came! The little bastards came! I was standing in a galley when six of them circled me out of nowhere. It just appeared. I grabbed one by the head and rammed my knees so hard into its face I nearly flattened his big fucking head. Without stopping, I reached over to where my spear was laid across the countertop. And as I snatched the spear off the counter, I whipped it around in a huge arc. Slashing open two of their faces and rupturing one of the little fucker's eyes. They put up their hands and began to back away slow. Like they were going to retreat into my own fucking ship. <laughs> I screamed and plunged the spear into one of them, impaling it just below its throat. The creature deflated with a puff of black dust, and the ones left standing all disappeared. I hung the dead ones from the overbeam in the galley for a while. But I got tired of their faces, so I took them down and arranged them on the floor. They still have the same blank stare, even after death. No blood, no screams, no agonized expression. It's not fair. I want them to bleed. I want them to stop staring. Entry 3482, day 285, ship clock at 0605 hours. I woke up in the viewing room, standing in front of the monitor. The ship has begun the pre-landing protocol. The planet is out there. So big it fills up the entire wall-sized monitor. It looks impossibly cold, like it could freeze your blood just from looking at it. It's turning slowly. 
I keep imagining that it's going to complete its revolution, and I'll see the huge, icy, cancerous city on the other side. Something about that scares the hell out of me. Now, I can just see something beginning to reveal itself as the planet spins. I'm standing here with my spear, a fearsome, naked, dirty savage, covered in signs of magic and power, facing down an ancient celestial body, frozen, forgotten. I'm going to stand here until the city reveals itself, and then prep my suit for landing tomorrow. I don't care if... Oh, God. Oh, God, no. No. Oh, God, it is. It is. Oh, God, it's a face. One of their ugly gray faces. The whole goddamn planet. It's face. It's grinning at me.
That was Helleborus with their song Helleborus Black, and y'all filthy motherfuckers know me. I'm your main man, Riggy Goddamn Mortis. Them Helleborus boys are headed into the studio on the 23rd of this month, probably to record another album about freaky sex magic shit. Speaking of which, I ain't no goddamn wizard, but it's Saturday night, so I'm gonna get back to doing what I do, which is barking rails of bone dust off the pallid butt cheeks of dead Chippendale dancers. Holla at ya, boy! Repeat. An earthquake in Blaine County, Georgia. I think when I am old, a furtive shape will sit beside me at my fireless hearth, dabbled with blood from stumps of severed wrists and flacked with blackened bits of moldy earth. My blood ran fire when the deed was done. Now it runs colder than the moon that shone. On shattered fields where dead men lay in heaps, who could not hear a ravished daughter's moan. Dim through the bloody dawn on bitter winds, the throbbing of the distant guns was brought. When I reeled like a drunkard from the hut, that hid the horror my red hands had wrought. So now I fire my veins with stinging wine, and hoard my youth as misers hug their gold, because I know what shape will come and sit beside my crumbling hearth when I am old.
If you need something put in the ground real quick and with no questions asked, call Old Collier's Extra Legal Digging Services. And we work 24-7 in case you're in need of a midnight moonlight special. The situation in Blaine County is still mysterious and frightening. A weather anomaly has darkened the area and apparently hundreds or thousands are afflicted with some kind of sickness or psychosis. Gods help me. Gods help me. Gods help me. Renick thought. Desperation had caught hold in the root of him. He was sweating underneath his heavy oil rain cloak and the rain had collected in his boots. He walked briskly, twisting and turning down wet back alleys, occasionally clamoring over mounds of refuse that blocked some of the rarely used alleys. The rain was maddening. It kept him from being able to see clearly, and the deep hood of his rain cloak obscured his vision further. He was constantly looking behind him, and lifting his hood slightly to peer left and right into the shadows of the alleys. He knew it was still behind him. The Dagger Man. They were not men. Rannick had seen the Dagger Man about Hill House, never coming in or out of the gates. They seemed to enter and exit from somewhere within the house itself. They rarely spoke, just smiled and grinned with their mouths over full of teeth. They were not men, no. And one of those smiling bastards was behind Rennick now. It had been behind him since he departed from Hill House, just after three at o'clock. He could feel it back there, grinning in the dark, slinking through the rain, slowly getting closer to him. Rennick stepped out of the alley and onto the main thoroughfare. He paused to orient himself for a moment. He had taken so many random turns that he had lost his sense of direction. He looked quickly to the left and right, and he saw that he was on the street of the Silver Cat. He had ended up on the west side of the hill somehow. Damn you, he cursed himself. Someone laughed behind him from the darkness of the alleyway. Rennick spun around and the laughter stopped. He peered into the darkness of the mouth of the alley, but he could not see anyone there. I saw nothing. I am a loyal man. I will never speak a word, I swear. Rennick pleaded to the darkness. A shape stepped out of the blackness of the alley. In the dark, Rennick could see teeth gleaming in the dim moonlight. Too many teeth. The shape laughed, low and guttural, inhuman. Rennick turned and ran. He ran back east up the street of the Silver Cat, which skirted the south end of the hill as it led all the way to the river. Rennick's hood flew back as he barreled through the night. His hair was soaked almost instantly by the rain, and the water began running down his neck and back, chilling him. He reached the first cross street. He looked left and right for any sign of the watch. At nearly five o'clock, he did not expect to see an iron south of the hill, but maybe the closer he got to the river, to the docks and taverns. He chanced a quick look behind him and did not see anyone following him. He topped the crest of the street of the Silver Cat and began to descend the low hill which rolled out east to the river. He could see the lights of Riverside ahead of him, with its taverns and brothels and inns that stayed lit all night. As far as he could see down, no one was walking on this gloomy, wet night, save for him. The river was a gleaming black snake in the distance. He kept running toward the river, but could not decide where to go exactly. His home was only a short run south, but he was not sure he would be safe there. He might find a watchman if he kept heading east, toward the river but he was not sure that he'd be safe, even with a watchman. 
The dagger man was not human. Rennick's breath began to burn in his chest like fire, heaving in and out of him involuntarily. His feet were wet bricks. His arms hung limp at his sides. He stopped to catch his breath. Just after he stopped, the rain began to pour harder. He stood for a moment, completely soaked inside his cloak now, until he caught his breath. He glanced all about him while he stood there, checking the mouth of every alley for the shape of a man. Still, he saw no one out on the dark street. He began to run again, still toward the river when he saw someone coming up the street toward him. A dark figure, head down, walking quickly through the pouring rain. This figure was about a hundred paces from Rennick, and Rennick could not make out the easily spotted dull shine of a watchman's iron cap. Rennick stopped running, not wanting to frighten the person, and began walking. He threw up his hood again. As he got closer to the figure, only a dozen or so paces away now, he noticed that it was a man, stoutly built, with his hands behind his back. As the man drew near, he looked up, and he smiled at Rennick with far too many teeth. Rennick screamed and twisted away from the man, falling down and splashing into a puddle on the cold cobblestones. The dagger man was on him instantly, plunging his ice-cold dagger into Rennick's belly. With the first few stabs, Rennick screamed and moaned, retching and lurching with each penetration of the blade, begging for the dagger man to stop, but he soon lost his breath. When the blade plunged into him, he could only heave and cough. He gripped the dagger man's wrist, trying to stop the stabbing, but the dagger man was as strong as an axe. The dagger pierced him again, and this time the dagger man left the dagger there, in Rennick's belly. The dagger man laughed in Rennick's face, and grinned strangely as he began to back away slowly toward an alleyway. The dagger man's teeth were spattered in Rennick's blood, and as the dagger man slowly backed into the blackness of the alley, Still grinning and chuckling, he began to lick the blood from his teeth with a diseased, misshapen tongue. Grinning and licking, the dagger man disappeared into the dark. Rennick hauled himself to his feet and began to run again. He made it thirty paces before he fell down. The hazy, rain-filled sky spun above him. He could not remember which way he'd been running. He reached down and pulled the dagger from his belly, screaming as the icy pain sliced him from the inside. The dagger clanked to the wet street. A gout of dark blood poured from the wound. Rennick gasped wetly and clawed at the wound. Gods, help me. Gods, help me. Gods, help me. He whimpered into the rain. He was back on his feet. He was pounding weakly on someone's door, but there was no answer from within the house. He stumbled backward away from the door, leaving bloody smears all over it. He fell onto his back in the middle of the street. The rain fell into his eyes and nose and mouth. He looked toward the river and saw no one. He looked back toward the hill and saw a shape on the street. At first he thought it was a dog, but then he realized it was the dagger man, on all fours like a beast, coming down a street toward him. Rennick screamed and launched himself up onto his feet. He could not stay upright though, and as he careened into the alleyway, he fell forward, smashing his face on the side of someone's house before he fell down again. Laying on his side, he spat out a wad of blood and a broken tooth and began to crawl deeper into the alley. He reached out and clawed his way along through the mud and the grime, leaving a ghastly trail of blood behind him. He crawled into a refuse pile to hide and turned to see down the alley he had just crawled into. 
The dagger man was there at the mouth of the alley on all fours. The dagger man was naked and his misshapen member was stiff and pointed at Rennick's hiding place. He crouched low and began to lick and suck at the blood trail that Rennick had left in the alley. He sucked up just as much mud and grime as he did Rennick's blood, but he devoured it all greedily and without complaint as he crept up the alley toward where Rennick was hiding. Gods help me. Gods help me. Gods help me. Rennick began to repeat as he pissed his pants. The dagger man laughed through dirty lips, low and guttural, and crept closer and closer.
state of Georgia is being evacuated due to the advancing darkness and the situation down in Blaine County. That means I gotta leave my little studio, y'all. It's dark out there. It's real dark. The Lurking Transmission is created, directed, produced, and engineered by Evan Dean Shelton. The first tale, Paddling Through the Abyss, was written by Evan Dean Shelton and performed by Francine Padilla. The first song was Helleborus Black by Helleborus. The second tale, One Who Comes at Eventide, was written by Robert E. Howard and performed by Alex Rink. The second song was Iron Law by Lair. The third tale, The Loyal Man, The Gatekeeper, was written by Evan Dean Shelton and performed by Alex Rink. This story is part of the Lover's Hill series, which you can find at loversill.com. The third song was Watery Internment by Temple of Void. The voice of the lurking news is Heather Melton. Everything you hear within the lurking transmission is protected by copyright law, but we here at the lurking transmission are outlaws and black magicians, therefore we don't call the law. If you fuck with us, we'll fuck with you. And while we have your attention, check out a podcast called Pseudopod. Pseudopod presents the finest horror on the internet, fortnightly. Be good to each other out there. If you can't do that, at least be the last one standing. Good night, dear receivers, and stay tuned. For the lurking transmission, will return. <laughs>